The title of my message this morning is, Follow Me to a New Security. I've come to discover, like we've been discussing up until this point, not only have many Christians fallen into this identity crisis, no longer knowing who they are in Christ, what it means to be a Christian, what it looks like to be a Christian, due to the saturation of the culture within the church, Things that the Bible says are unacceptable, we have made acceptable simply because society says so. But not only have we lost our identity, and we're trying to regain that and rediscover that in our series called Follow Me, but I've noticed that this, uh, this identity crisis has also led many Christians to a place of great insecurity in their relationship with Jesus Christ. The world seems to be flooded and inundated with insecure people. And it's interesting that many who see this uh, epidemic taking place in our nation today state that the number one obvious uh, symptom of an insecure person is something you may not have ever considered. They consider the number one symptom of an insecure person is an overtly selfish person. Someone who is self-absorbed. Someone who it's all about me. And isn't it interesting that as they see this as a symptom of insecurity, the more the church becomes uh, all about us, the more Christianity becomes all about us, isn't it ironic that we too then would become insecure? I've often asked myself the question, why is it that so many are insecure today in the body of Christ who, who love Jesus, who are Christians? And I discover that it is due to a lack of confidence, assuredness, and certainty. And that lack of these things is producing a deep well of insecurity in a person's mind and heart leading that person to worry, anxiety, and fear. They don't seem to realize that our security comes from the fact that we are in Christ. Nothing else is going to provide that security for you. Nothing else is going to warrant it. Nothing else is going to allow for it. It's only due to the fact that we are in Christ that we as Christians can have security in an insecure world. I think it is interesting that we as the church, like the world, are trying like the world to find security no longer in Christ, but in our circumstances. Just as we're trying to find joy and happiness in our circumstances, so also are we trying to find security in our circumstances. If I'm only in the right relationship, then I might be able to escape this insecurity that I'm, that I'm uh, struggling with. Uh, if I only have enough money, if I only have the right material possessions or whatever want it may be that you believe is automatically going to bring about security in your life once you obtain it, I'm here to tell you that all things apart from Christ are not going to satisfy you, and also they are not going to bring about security in your life. 
And what I mean by security is confidence, assuredness, and certainty. And as believers, we can only find this in Jesus Christ. And one of the ways we appropriate this security is by following Him. Allowing Him to lead us. And we submitting ourselves to Him and following after Him. And I bring you to the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John this morning. In a chapter that I'm sure most of you are amply familiar with. It is a chapter that contains another one of the I am statements, this time Jesus calling himself, I am the good shepherd. And within this are some verses that should create in you an incredible security, allowing you to be secure even when all circumstances are turned upside down. A security that surpasses all understanding. A security that allows you to stand when everything else in the world around you may be falling apart. A security that allows you to stand when the storms of life occur. It's a security knowing. And that realization that you know is demonstrated in the manner in which you follow Him. Let's begin this morning by looking at chapter 10, verse 22, and we're going to read to verse 30 and then concentrate and focus on a few verses within this passage. At that time, the Feast of Dedications took place, verse 22, at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Father, now we come before you. As we enter into our time of worship in the Word. And Father, this is your Word. This is the Word of God that we are looking at. And we pray, Lord, that you would encourage us, edify us, challenge us, convict us even. That we may know that we can be secure in you. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. From the beginning of John chapter 10, Jesus identifies himself as the Good Shepherd. Imagery that was used throughout all of the Old Testament and the New Testament alike. Jesus being the Good Shepherd, then the only role left for you and I to play are sheep. We're sheep being led by a shepherd. Imagery that would be so relatable to those in that society that it would be second nature for them to grasp what Jesus was saying by describing him in 
himself in such a way. But in making the declaration in verse 11 of chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus strategically used this phrase to equate himself with the shepherd mentioned in Psalm 23. A psalm that all of us, I think, hold dear to ourselves and read occasionally to encourage ourselves, maybe when we are going through such difficult times or incredibly wanting circumstances. But in Psalm 23, the Lord identifies himself in the writing of David. As David looks to the Lord, he says in verse 1, and I hope you're there, In Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These are incredibly encouraging words to someone who may find themselves going through a very difficult time. And it's often when we are in difficult times that our insecurity comes to the surface, where our circumstances challenge us to leave the security that we know we have in Christ to get our eyes off of Him and onto something else. And like Peter stepping out of the boat with the waves roaring and crashing about around him, as long as he kept his eyes on the Lord, he walked above the waves. But the moment he took his eyes off the Lord, what happened to him? He sunk. And the greatest act of grace then followed as Jesus reached down, grabbed him, and pulled him up once again. But in Psalm 23, David is conveying the incredible confidence that he has in his Lord, identifying his God as a loving shepherd who takes care of his sheep. It is extremely comforting. And notice in verse 6 the security that David draws from this identity of his God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he talks about circumstances in verses 4 and 5. Even though my enemy surrounds me, the Lord prepares a table Before me, in the presence of my enemies, anointing me with his oil, referring to his spirit, and my cup overflows. Even though I may walk through the shadow of the valley of death, he's reassured and has confidence and says, Therefore I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And in verse 3, He restores my soul, leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
And where the Lord leads is found in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. But verse 6 sums up for you and I the incredible idea of security that we can have in knowing that the Lord is our shepherd and that we follow him. Another cause of the great insecurity amongst many today, especially those who are Christians, is not only have they gotten their eyes off of the Lord, but unfortunately they have put their eyes upon themselves. One of the most vulnerable places that we can place ourselves is in our own hands. I see people have discovered that already. That's one of the most vulnerable places. As we wander off from the flock, as we wander away from the shepherd, and we leave the 99, and we go about things in our own manner, in our own ways, and do what's right in our own eyes, and we think that we have it all under control, yet to find ourselves lost. We are in a most vulnerable place at that time. A place where security seems to flee from us. And insecurity grips our heart because now we don't know where we stand. That's why I'm so thankful that I read that our Lord was willing to leave the 99 and go after the one. It is interesting to me how often we wander away from God. It is interesting that as he calls us his sheep, it was a term that all who were listening would have understood as the Jews now are pressing in upon him, challenging him, asking him, pushing him for revelation. Who are you, Jesus? Are you the Messiah? Tell us plainly. And in the Greek, they were pressing in on upon him. They were closing in upon him. They were trying to force him into a corner, forcing him to respond. And he said, all the evidence that you have, need, you have already. Those things that I have said, those things that I have done, demonstrate exactly who I am. But you did not hear it because you are not of my sheep. For my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow after me. In Isaiah 53, one of the most recognizable verses, calling us sheep, is given. In Isaiah 53, 6, we read, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That is our reckoning. It shows that we have wandered off. It shows that we have moved away from God. And then the promise is made concerning the coming of the one who would redeem us. And the Lord has laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity of us all. It was certainly hard for the religious leaders to hear that they were not of his sheep. It was hard because they couldn't see through their religiosity, their pride, their self-righteousness. They simply wanted him to identify himself, not so that they may follow him, but more likely so that they may arrest him and charge him openly for claiming to be someone they believed he was not. But there is the reality 
that the voice of the shepherd calls out, and those who are his hear him, and they respond. By the religious leaders continuing oppression of Jesus, the continuing rejection of Jesus, they demonstrated that they were not his sheep. But there are those who are. Not only of the flock, he says, of those in whom he is speaking to, referring to the Jewish people, but there's another flock, the Gentiles, that we're still yet going to hear that you and I are part of today. You and I who have responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ has responded to the voice of the Lord, and we now know that we are his sheep because he is our shepherd. But Jesus said very clearly that there are those who write that the sheep would actually know the voice of their shepherd. Notice with me in John 10, verses 2 through 5. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. It has been said, and I will take their words for it, because I have personally had absolutely no experience in sheep herding. None. That might shock you. But Schomburg frowns upon keeping sheep on my condo balcony. But it has been said by many that sheep would become so accustomed to the voice of their shepherd that shepherds could gather around a watering source of some sort or even a feeding trough and allow their sheep to intermingle with other sheep. And when it was time to leave, the shepherd could literally call his sheep and those who were his knew their shepherd's voice, left the herds, and followed their shepherd. Jesus is using this same illustration. Those who are his will follow him. Those who hear his voice and respond are his sheep. As he wrote earlier in verse uh, 37 of chapter 6, all that the Father has gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So number one, we are the sheep. We hear his voice, and that's one way we demonstrate that we are his sheep. And number two, he says, I know them. In John 10, 14 through 15, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as a father knows me, and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. It is that dynamic of relationship that allows us to follow him. Once we hear and respond, then we can follow after him knowing that we are in a relationship with him, and that we know him, and that he knows us. In fact, the indictment that was given at the end of the Sermon of the Mount in chapter 7 of Matthew's Gospel was the fact that many in the last day would stand before him and say, Lord, Lord, 
haven't we done all of these things, but they will not enter the kingdom of God? And listen to what the Lord says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And here's what Jesus will say in response in verse 23. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It's not that he knew them at one time and they were then lost. He never knew them. So not only does his sheep hear his voice, they know him, and more importantly, he knows them. In one of the forms of, it's one of the most intimate words in the New Testament. It shows dynamic intimacy between the two parties. But then their response is found in these two words, the third of this dynamic saying found in verse 27 of chapter 10, and that is, they hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Where he leads, we follow. Where he goes, we go. The relationship between us and him is this. He is the leader, we are the follower. He is the king, and we are the servants. We follow after him. And demonstrating that we are one of his sheep, in comparison to the hireling that he introduces earlier in the chapter of chapter 10, nothing will snatch us out of his hand. Notice what he says here in verse 28 of our text. I give them eternal life. Not temporal life, eternal life. Secure in Him. Our security is not based upon what we do, but it is found in what Jesus Christ has done and is currently doing. I give them eternal life and they will possibly perish. Is that what your word says? Is that what your Bible says? Good, because if it does, I want you to return that Bible. It says, I will never perish. Never. In the Greek, it's never, ever, ever, ever perish. It's a strong use of the word. And the security is then created. And then found and then articulated in this last phrase. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. He gives us eternal life because he has laid down his life for us. We will never perish. And then he caps it off by saying, no one will snatch them out of my hand. It is one of the most endearing terms that we have in this chapter. It's a father holding his child tight. Nothing will snatch you out of my hands. Let's consider those hands for a moment. Those are the same hands that brought about the creation of all things. Those are the same hands that led the children of Israel out of Egypt. It is these hands that we find ourselves within. 
with the guarantee, the promise of the fact that nothing shall snatch us out of those hands. And we will never perish because we have been given eternal life. But if that wasn't enough for you, he goes on to give you even a stronger demonstration of such security. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. Jesus said earlier, all that the Father gives me, I will by no means lose any of them. Before you and I can find security in anything else, we must first find security in our relationship with God. And if we believe for a moment that that relationship with God is dependent upon what we do, we are constantly going to slide from that position of security into the quagmire of insecurity. But Jesus says it's not dependent upon you. It never has been. It's all dependent upon him. And therefore, I can simply rest in the hands of my Father, in the hands of my Savior. And I don't know about you, but that in and of itself, knowing that to be the case, knowing that eternal life has been given to me, knowing that I'll never perish, and that nothing shall snatch me out of my Savior's hands, or my Heavenly Father's hands, brings great security to me. I didn't realize the impact that a hand can have until I personally became a father. Years ago when Autumn was first born, in her second year she became very ill and we took her to the hospital and it turned out to be something minor but she had a reaction to it, a very high fever, she was extremely uncomfortable And they took her into a room and they separated her from uh, mom and I for a, a moment. And we heard her crying. And she was upset because she was scared and she was alone. And then they allowed me to come back into the room. And I came to the side of the bed and I saw how frightened she was just because it was a scary place to be. And I simply grabbed her hand. And the moment I grabbed her hand, she looked at me and stopped crying. I did nothing more than just hold her hand. But it was enough for her at that moment to bring her out of insecurity, out of fear, out of worry, out of anxiety, to know that her dad was here, taking care of her, doing it for her betterment. So when I feel insecure... And that insecurity moves me to fear, to worry, to anxiety. There is a hand that is holding me that is greater than all. It is my Savior's hand. It is my Heavenly Father's hand. Drawing me from the quagmire of insecurity and lifting me to security once again. One has said this, the ultimate security of Jesus' sheep rests with the good shepherd, not within and of ourselves. It's the moment we get our eyes off of him that we begin to drown. But as we return to Isaiah chapter 53, if you will, in your Bibles, we started with verse 6. 
And we learn that we, like sheep, have all gone astray to do our own thing, to go our own way. But that's not where the account ends. Because in the wake of our disobedience, one came who was fully God, fully man, and he bore the iniquity that we brought upon ourselves as we wandered away from God. And being it that it's this time of the year, I felt it incredibly appropriate to read this with you. Starting in verse 7. Of course, in verse 6, we learned all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity of us all. But read on in verse 7, if you will. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb he was led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for the guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquity. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Where we were disobedient, Christ was obedient. Where we failed, Christ succeeded. Allowing him to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, and that was to save us. That was to save us. For at the end of what Jesus says here in John 10, after talking about his hand, the Father's hands, he then gives the answer to those who ask the question, How long will you keep us in suspense? They asked him in verse 24. And in verse 30, he says, I and the Father are one. Stating, I am God. I'm exactly who you think I am. But because you are not my sheep, you do not respond. You do not hear my voice. I do not know you. And you do not follow me. One of the mysteries of the New Testament is the doctrine of election. I don't claim to fully understand it. I don't think in my finite position I'll ever understand it. But I know this. I know my God. 
And God has asked me to be responsible for those things that he has asked me to be responsible to do, and that is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and leave everything else up to him. And I can trust him for that. But this doctrine has become a source of division and become very decisive in our, uh, divisive, I should say, in our society today because of the hyper understanding that people apply to it. But every time it is written about in the New Testament, it is written as a blessing, as something we should rejoice within. And it is not until we understand the care of the Father towards us that we truly then begin to appreciate all that He has done for us. Now you may think that everything that allows you security occurs from the moment you become a Christian to the everlasting future. But the Bible says something different. Your security wasn't only given to you for the moment but, and the future, but was secured in the past. Listen to what Paul says here. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3-6, through 6, he says, Blessed be the God of our Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And then he begins to list them in verse 4. Even as he has chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved Christ Jesus. My security didn't begin at the moment that I cried out to God in repentance and placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. From the foundation of the world, God already knew me. God already knew you and set you on that course. This is why he can say to Jeremiah, why Jeremiah is still in the womb, I know you, Jeremiah, and I know the plans and the purposes that I have for you. Knowing the end from the beginning. God in his wisdom, in his sovereignty, in his glory, in his majesty. And the objection to election is this. Well, how do I know if I'm elected or not? Come to Christ. And if you hear his voice, and he knows you, and you follow after him, then you have. Well, I don't want to. Okay, then maybe you're not. I don't know who's elected. I don't know who's not elected. That's not for me to know. I mean, it would be great in my in evangelistic you know, endeavors if I go out into the world and people you know, take off their coats and they have elected. That would be easy, right? We don't know who that is. This is God's realm. But the one thing I know about God is that He is a loving God. He's a good God. He's a gracious God. He's a God of mercy. So I find complete security in the doctrine of election and I leave the further election of others to God. I love what Moody said. He goes, I love in one of his writings or one of his sermons, he goes, God save the elect and elect some more. But from the foundations of the world was set forward. And now I can look back even in the days before I knew Christ and I see now his hand moving me the way he did 
Now I understand some of the circumstances that I went through. I understand some of the difficulties that I went through. I understand some of those things better now from this perspective. And all things he used to bring me to the point where I cried out as a teenager on that porch that evening and asked Christ to save a sinner like me. All that the Father give me, I will by no means lose any or cast any out. It begins from the foundation of the world. It continues today in our scripture. As we have read, I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand, for I and my Father are one. And then Peter looked further into the future and said this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. To an inheritance, now listen to this, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power and are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. My past, my present, my future is all secure in Christ. What I need to do is hear His voice. Allow Him to know me and me to know Him and to follow after Him. And as long as I am following Christ, each and every footstep that I, that I put down in my pursuit of Jesus should lead me one step closer into a place of security, though my world may be incredibly insecure. I want to close with these words from one who I hold dear, A.W. Tozer. He says, Let this truth, the truth that we've discussed this morning, penetrate your heart. There is a glorious human being at the right hand of God. Not a mere spirit, but a man glorified. He is there interceding for us, representing us. This is why I believe in the security of the saints. How can I help believe that? If Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God, then he has invested himself charged himself with full authority, authority given him by the Father, and my name is on his multi-stone breastplate of the high priest of the book of Exodus and is spoken of by his lips, and therefore I am safe. And he went on to conclude that my great high priest will keep me, I have no doubt, He will do so because of my goodness, Tozer asks, and he says, not at all. Will he keep you because of your goodness? Again, I say no. We are kept because he is at the throne of God interceding for us. Again, I want to read these words to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. For I and my Father are one. I don't care what you're going through today. I don't care if insecurity has gripped your heart to the point where you are wandering in worry, fear, and anxiety. I ask you today to consider the hands that you are within. And know that you are secure. And that you can continue that security, not due to yourself, but due to the one who holds you in those hands. And in those hands, no one will ever snatch you out of. And if that isn't assuredness enough, confidence enough, certainty enough, then I tell you, you are also in your Father's hands. Follow me to a new security.